The bomb just dropped. Can the relationship really heal? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers. We're therapists. And we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Hey, Tyler, you ready to have some hard conversations? Let's do it. Let the Therapy Brothers podcast begin. Oh, Brandon, we got a treat today. Yeah, a little bit different of an episode. I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, dude, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Like, I know you're like technology guy and like you're all into technology <laughs> and stuff. Could we just stick with what works? Oh, man. <laughs> I thought we were trying to make it. So Brandon's, Brandon's actually lecturing me over something that's beyond my control. We went to a different <laughs> platform and called Squadcast, and it's not quite working right. So now we're back on our good old faithful Zoom, which is always produced for us. But but the person you need to actually talk to is Chase, who produces hey, Our show, listeners right? had to endure like five episodes of like our audio not lining up because we went <laughs> to some different you know thing. And now we're back to going to some different thing. Forget <laughs> it. Zoom works. <laughs> Sometimes you try to kill, you still try to tease out that little extra bit of improvement. That's what we've been trying to do. Oh, but man, look at how this you're, I'm talking to you and Zoom is just fluid. It's just awesome. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's working fine, man. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I wanted, I got some feedback for you, Brad. I'm going to rib you about a little bit and you can oh, do, okay. do what you want about it. They said, I, I heard this from a group that I run and they said, will you please tell Brannon to try to go a whole episode without saying, does that make sense? Uh, I know it's a bad <laughs> habit of mine. It probably drives them nuts. So, does that yeah. make sense? Does that make sense? <laughs> well, it's not going to be this episode then. <laughs> I appreciate the feedback because I know it. And so they're just, it's true. Uh, yeah. You know, you get those little things where you repeat them all the time. I got to work on that one. So yeah, does that make sense? <laughs> it does, man. And now we'll shoot for that next episode. So um, let's let's get in let's get into it today because we have an awesome guest on. That's not our traditional kind of guest. We actually have another expert who's on to join us with a conversation that's actually a very common conversation that that we end up with all the time. So I'm going to just introduce really quickly our guest. Our guest is named Jason Van Ruler. He's a clinician. He's a CSAT. He's very familiar with this world. And he's just completed a book that right now we're filming this episode a week before the book's actually going to launch called Getting pa- called Get Past Your Past. And uh, we'll allow him to talk about it a little bit further on, but we're going to have a little discussion today about that topic in relationship to overcoming betrayal trauma and sexual addiction in relationships. So Jason, thank you for being here with us. Oh man, I'm excited. This is this is great. Like I said, I am in good company uh, with you, Tyler and Brandon, um, and I'm a faithful Zoom guy. So this is this is my <laughs> perfect place. man. You're this my is, man. <laughs> it's working. Let's not let's not touch it. So I am I am just pleased to be here um, and actually just to talk about kind of what matters and what people are going through because I think the whole issue of like can I get past my past has everything to do with betrayal and infidelity and all those things. That's a huge part of that. Yeah, well, we're we're glad you're here with us today, and we're going to have a conversation over, I think, a topic that is much needed, but that has some kind of difficult points that people have a hard time navigating from time to time, and hopefully we can all end up with a little bit more clarity today with the discussion that we're going to have. So um, 
here's here's go ahead, Brandon. Were you going to no, say no, something? No, I was probably going to ask the same thing you were. Go ahead, Brandon. I was just going to say this is pretty pretty big, broad question, but um, Jason, if you could just start for us, kind of the recipe for a couple to actually start to move forward and be successful <clears throat> after betrayal. Like, what what are some things that need to be there? What what things need to be in place in order for this to actually work? Yeah, that is a big question. Um, but luckily for you, I'm brilliant. So I can easily answer <laughs> that. Uh, and, and this will be no problem. Uh, it, it's taken a lot of time, uh, even as a clinician, to really get zeroed in on what works because there's so much going on. You know, I think when that bomb drops, um, it's really hard to find much clarity in all of that chaos. And so I think if we're not careful, we get really focused on the chaos and we we don't actually get clear about what's needed. And so What's often needed is that we actually need to have the healthy relationship we should have had in the first place or that we thought we had. So we really go back to basics. And I know that that's sometimes kind of frustrating for people because it's like, okay, well, now all this has happened and now you're asking me to do something. But if we want to get to the kind of that interdependent relationship, it requires us going back to actually all the hallmarks of a healthy relationship and building from there. Kind of reminds me like I I remodeled a house and I bought this house and it had all this nasty wallpaper all over it. And so before we had to before we made it look pretty, like we sat and scraped wallpaper for a long time. We got we got it off the walls before we could start painting and making it look nice. And I I totally agree with you. Sometimes I think couples don't understand the teardown that needs to happen in order for the buildup to take place. Yeah. And it's tough because you just want to feel better. And so the prospect of now doing more work, you know, I'm I'm sure I have done that too with wallpaper. And I know I had moments where I'm like, I'll just burn the house down. Like that's actually <laughs> yeah. way easier than what I'm doing right now. And yet if you don't do it and actually see it all the way through, you're going to pay for it later. And yep. And so I think that's if we're not careful what happens so sometimes you know i i think we you know we flipped a couple houses my wife and i and and there was one where there was some kind of black mold on a basement wall and and my idea was just to, just to paint over it mm-hmm. and i was like if we just slap some paint on that sucker it's gonna be great it'll look different uh but wouldn't you know i did that and it just seeped right on through because it was yeah. still there right yeah. the problem was still the problem so i i think even in that chaos, we kind of have to get down to like, what is the heart of it? And how do we have that healthy relationship that we thought we maybe had, or maybe have never had, but always wanted to actually deal with this? It seems it seems that one of the challenges with that is even just to get back to the basics, there's a process that takes place that people get tripped up in all the time, right? Now you use the word, you use the word chaos. And, and here's kind of what I see from a distance with a lot of my clients is there is chaos. Everything gets thrown into question when there's D-Day, discovery, disclosure, whatever happens. There's that broken trust. And it seems that there's a lot of information out there that's really validating in terms of, hey, you're not crazy. This is what trauma looks like. This is what your experience is. Um, But it it almost leaves people a lot of times what feels almost like half-baked, where they get into being able to be grounded and have emotional regulation tools and even understand trauma. But then, it, but then there's like, you know, a lot of other platforms that, that even teach this stuff, they get stuck in the anger phase or the I'm an abused person phase. And then, and then they're coming here going, but we want our marriage to get better. And 
the marriage has a hard time. It seems it seems that there's a pinch point at that place where there's safety in where they've gotten to. And now there's a new level of risk with maybe what you're talking about or the basics are of actually having to open up to being vulnerable or heaven forbid we use the F word of forgiveness or or other things that that move in that direction. I guess I'm wondering if you run into the same kinds of things or if there are other issues there that you would kind of categorize as number one, things that have to happen before you even get to the basics. And then number two, what are the basics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I'm you know, walking along with you guys and you fall into a pit, uh, I'm going to work on handing you a ladder, not handing you a tent so you can live down there. And so I think we just have to be so careful not to make it too comfortable to live in the pit because it's actually not the goal. And I think sometimes we miss it and we we give people validation and empathy, all of which they need and grace. But sometimes we make it a little too easy to stay in the pit when what they really need is a ladder. And, and so my take on that is, you know, each rung of the ladder is a thing, right? But really the first one is to just kind of acknowledge that we're in the pit and what that actually looks like. Because I think sometimes we don't actually have a very accurate view of of what is actually happening. There's all the chaos, but we kind of need a good friend or a therapist, uh, somebody trusted who can sit down with us and say, well, here's actually what's going on. And then what's our next move? Right. It's it's like therapist to therapist here. Uh, I want to talk to you because like at times... By the way, thank you for giving me an analogy that I will use forever. That was awesome. <laughs> That's um, great. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but at times, like I've I've had the betrayer say, "Hey, you're helping plant the stakes of that tent down in that pit for her. Like, what are you doing?" And and I realize what I'm actually doing because I have to start with we got we got to acknowledge the pain. We we need to we need to validate this. Um, but then you and you know how this goes, Jason. It's like. Then I start saying, hey, step up a rung of the ladder here, you know, and sometimes the person who's been betrayed is like, what? Like, you're telling me this is me? Like, huh? Like, how dare you? This is him. He sucks, right? And they're they're like hanging on to the stakes of the tent down in that pit. They're like, nah, uh-uh, I don't have a ladder. I have a tent. Um, you know, so so how do you how do you navigate that? Right? This is kind of the magic question. Like, how do you help somebody step into their power? Um, choose into their recovery. Yeah, I think when we really love somebody, we don't ask them to be small. So what I'll tell my clients is, um, I really care about you and you're right. And I know you didn't ask to be thrown in the pit. Like that's honest, that's true. It's fact. And yet it is still your decision of if you want to live there or get out. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get out, I'll walk through it with you. I'll make it as easy as I can, but I can't make you climb the ladder. And that really is the healthy relationship part is I will invite you into a place of healing, but I can't make you. And so at the end of the day, even though you may not have asked for any of this, you might not want to do the work, you might hate it. And, and goodness, why wouldn't you hate it? That's kind of the option you're faced with. And, and so how do we live in the space of, I always tell people we have two hands, you know, one is for grace and one is for truth. So how do we live in the space of truth? which is, this is terrible and I hate it, um, and giving ourselves grace to take the next step and encourage ourselves along the way. Yeah, love it. It's a great answer. I, I can hear like in my own brain echoing, even with that response, and maybe we flesh this out just a little bit further, someone who's been betrayed, who's been through that devastation that happens there, kind of going, 
yeah, but like you don't know how hard it is to have just gotten to the place where I have a tent now in the pit. I used to be down in hell. I I'm okay with the pit on a certain level, but I also know I want to get better, but you don't understand. You don't understand how hard this is. You don't understand like my story has never actually been fully validated. Like how do how do you respond to someone who's in that spot? Maybe even acknowledges they're in the pit with a tent, but but tells you you don't understand. Yeah. So I, I would just say, uh, totally. And and what I tell clients all the time is I never get it the way it is for them because it didn't happen to me. So I always want to be careful with, um, yeah, I don't understand. And, and maybe they've had a lifetime of pits with different people, right? Maybe they are just used to this. And, and so I get it. Um, and still, if you want it to be different. So if you want to stay there, you can. You don't need me for that. I'm just a highly paid friend at that point. So you don't actually need me. But if you want to get out of there, um, then let's do that. And that means that even if that next rung is three inches, right? Even if we only take a three-inch step, let's take it. Yeah, Let's take it. Some people will take a foot at a time. Some will take three inches. Like, totally okay with me. But what are you willing to do? Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, that's really the question is, are you willing to take any sort of step to get out of here? Or do you want to kind of settle in and acknowledge that this is what it's going to look like? Okay. I, Jason, I got another question for you. Um, I, I love this because I can ask you the hard questions because you get it. Like <laughs> yeah. I can tell you've been in the trenches with people. Um, so uh, let's talk about the partner for, for a second. So let's say, you know, the betrayed is kind of ambivalent and struggling to climb up that ladder not wanting to climb up that ladder, worried that she's going to get like bludgeoned again, right? Hurt again. How do you help the the betrayer to both be patient with their partner and validate their pain, but at the same time, be honest and boundaried themselves about, hey, like hanging out here in this pit forever, like isn't, isn't awesome and not what I'm okay with, right? So, so there's a kind of a process there for him or for the betrayer um, to, to do that? Like, how do you, how do you work them through that? Yeah, I think they, they need to hold the ladder, you know, so they can go up and down on their own whenever they need to. And if they do that faster, because let's be honest, oftentimes the, the betrayer climbs a ladder faster, right? They go, well, that was a pit. Oh yep. man, I hate being in the pit. I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to get out now. It's great. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I've got uh, a little puppy and it'll eat a bunch of stuff it shouldn't. And then it'll barf on the floor and kind of look at you and smile and be like, well, like, oh, that felt good. Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Never mind. I just ate all the crap and I made myself do that. But like, whew, I feel better. Uh, and I'm like, oh, OK, well, I, like I'll, I'll clean that up, I guess. Like this yeah. is uh, that that rug wasn't that much money. So I can I can clean that up. Um, and so I think the thing is, is that sometimes, and I got to be careful, I'm not comparing betrayers to dogs, sure. but I'm just trying to give an example here. I think sometimes the betrayer does feel better for for lots of different reasons. And so going and helping either looks like demanding that they get out of the pit, right? Or mm-hmm. or encouraging them to stay there. And so what that that partner really needs is a coach. Right. So if we go to even like a Cartman triangle, which talks about the rescuer, the victim, the bully, the other side of the rescuer is to coach somebody through it. So they actually need somebody to hold the ladder and say, I'm right next to you. 
Um, I dug the pit, I threw you in it, and I'm going to help you get out. Uh, but you have to take a step. Yeah, and and like I've worked with plenty of of people who whose partners won't take that step, mm-hmm. and and this is where it gets really difficult, right? Where it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like, like here's an example, like a, a guy who hasn't had any intimacy with his wife in 25 years, you know, and she's planted her, like she's set up shop in that pit. And every time he's holding mm-hmm. the ladder and like, hey, like there's a, you know, and at, at what point, and I I know this isn't a question that you can really totally answer because it's between him and God or whatever his boundaries are, whatever his truths are. But at what point is it okay for him to say, like, like you, you got to Like we need some movement forward. Right? I think, I think pretty early on, it's okay to ask for movement. I think how much movement, right? So I, I think, I just, what I'm wanting to do is to continue to have a conversation about where we're at and where we're going. And if that conversation is repetitive, we have a problem. And then we need to have a discussion about why that's the same conversation. And so if you tell me, well, you know, man, they, they went, you know, half a foot, half a foot, half, like, okay, all right. We can wish that it was faster, but but they're still doing something. And, and that at least breathes some life into the relationship. But if they're simply stalled out, then I think it does become a decision of, well, what do you want to do with that? Yep. Is that acceptable? Yep. The same principle applies um, on the opposite, right? Like we For see sure. a lot of times where the person struggling with addiction, it doesn't care or want to make any movement, you know? And and at what point does the partner, you know, have to step in and say, but yeah, but as long as there's movement forward, that's, I really like your answer there because a lot of people don't know what that feels like and what that looks like. And I think that's, it's helpful to have a good therapist, people that really understand recovery to say, there's actually some good things going on here, even though it might be really hard still. This is the messy middle that you're in, right? So Yeah. And it might be, it might be that it's not on the pace that you want or it's not where you want. So what I'll do with clients on, on really both sides is I'll say, um, I want you to keep a journal of what you tried to do this week, this month, however, whatever the interval is um, that you have done to try to improve the relationship. And then when you come in, let's talk about it and let's see what worked and what didn't and what we need to refine. And so if you come in and you're like, I've got nothing, Jason, I'm like, well, are we, are we done then? Are we satisfied here? Uh, because we can be, I'm not here to tell you the kind of relationship you, you should have. So if you're happy in this spot, I'm okay with it. Uh, but if you're not, you have to try something. And it's okay to even get it wrong. Uh, But the people who grow and climb the ladder the fastest are always the people who have like six things they tried and four didn't work. Those are the people who are growing very quickly because they're like, I'm just trying to see what I can do and I'll change it if it didn't work. I think, you know, inherently inside of what the statement you just made, I think there's a couple of principles here that are extremely important for our listeners to be able to hear, which is it's okay to fail, but to put in the effort because the effort's going to eventually lead you to the things that do help you be successful. And that's, that's, I think a scary thing when you've been burned in certain ways to then step off the edge of the cliff and to, to risk that failure, but be open to that growth. I I also really like the idea that you, that you've kind of planted with this idea of the ladder. And then that's actually maybe true eventually from both partners that, there can actually be a lot of healing that comes if the betrayed person is the one who sees and grows and kind of gets grounded enough to go and place the ladder down and say, Hey, I, I see you too. I, I'd love for you to climb up. And if both partners are willing to take those steps on the wrong, 
then then you do get into like the basics work that you were talking about but it's but it is a two-way street on both sides for sure absolutely and and so that's really the you know the part of willingness because i think it's it's one thing to ask for something and it's another to receive it and so are we really willing to receive it and to take the step and i think sometimes we have to wrestle with our own resistance to that uh, because maybe we're so angry or we're so hurt that that despite asking for it, we're actually not super willing to receive that when we get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to differentiate too between like when when you guys talk about holding the ladder, um, we're talking about interdependency. We're not talking about a codependent mechanism of I'm going to come take your recovery over. I'm going to control it. I'm going to monitor everything. I'm going to. We're talking about we're talking about being a good support person. So one one that believes in your own self-determination to work toward your own recovery, but is patient, kind, empathetic, and loving along the way, but holds space for your power to step into your recovery. Um, that and, and a lot of times, Jason, what I see, I, I really like what you started with of we need to tear it down before we build it up because a lot of times those codependent patterns are just going and going and going. And then couples try to apply that to recovery to make things better. And it just exacerbates the problem, right? Versus being interdependent and being boundaried in a healthy way and then really supporting each other. Yeah. And to the point you made really at the beginning about the encouragement and the empathy and the validation, I think if we're not careful, that's where we get in trouble because we end up really validating a codependent relationship. Yeah. We say, yeah, 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 that's so good. Yep, exactly. You think the same, feel the same, be the same. Awesome. And then if if we don't really have some intention down the road, then we say, well, now that's not true anymore. Now, right. now it should be separate. And I think people struggle to make the jump because it's so dramatic mm-hmm. when, when the truth is we want to start with interdependence right off the bat. Um, I, I've talked about this with some other people and, and someone said to me, why can't we just have a ladder Why do, or uh, an elevator? Why does it have to be a ladder? And I said, exactly. That's why I'm talking to you about this, my friend, because there it's not an elevator. Uh, although we want that. We say, I'll just build you an elevator and all you got to do is get on and I'll bring you up to the surface. And it just doesn't work like that. Nope. It takes grace. And I think, I think what you're saying, Brandon is, the ladder isn't going down in and rolling around in the mud with the other person. It's mm-hmm. acknowledging them, even acknowledging that maybe you pushed them in on accident, how dirty and cold that is. You're there with them, but at the end of the day, they have to take their own steps. And I, I'm thinking of just like a personal experience with this where, you know, Jason, my wife and I have actually been through our own recovery with this before. And, and my wife has, she'll come to this point where she says there was a point where I would, I didn't even want to let go of the things that were keeping me safe. Like I, I could hold on to anger. If I let go of anger, if I actually would stepped into forgiveness, if I actually saw him as a human being, and if I actually saw his progress, I wouldn't even know who I was anymore. And so it's, it was really scary to have to think about letting go of all of those things and and having to take accountability for her own actions that she she was miserable even as i was starting to improve and start to work an honest recovery she stayed miserable until she was able to have the gift of her own accountability to say man i need to figure out why i'm so miserable it's not him anymore the target's not so big anymore <laughs> you know um and 
and to allow room for that for each person inside the relationship, that in and of itself is interdependent. Instead of needing her to be better so that I can be okay or or her waiting for me to be perfect before she can come along. And then eventually both of us have to learn how to step back into being willing to, to allow grace for one another, but take some risks with each other too. And that's so hard to do because we become comfortable with where we're at, even if we shouldn't be, because it's just, it's what we know, which is why we see people replicate patterns from childhood that they would otherwise say they hated. You know, I know for me, uh, I swore off everything about my childhood and then uh, decided to just recreate it uh, because it was comfortable, you know? And, And so I think if we're not careful, we get kind of too comfortable in that space and then it becomes home. Um, and, and maybe it doesn't look like much or it's not an especially happy place, but it's our home. And so this idea of leaving it to go to a better place seems very, very risky. Um, I remember the first time I ever took a ferry uh, on the ocean between two points. Uh, and I realized the moment that I couldn't see the shore anymore. Oh, that was that was scary for me. I, I'm a Midwestern guy. So like, we, you know, that doesn't happen to us. Um, and even though the place I was going was great. It was going to be awesome. Uh, but for just a couple minutes, couldn't see either side. And I think that happens to us in recovery where there are those couple minutes. And if we don't talk about what that feels like and how we really feel about all of that, we get lost in that. And we say, I'll just go back. Yep. I'll, I'll just go back. I it, It's too scary for me. Yep. I've worked with uh, plenty, plenty of couples where, you know, um, she so wants him to get better. She w- wants him to, and and so he does. <laughs> he does some amazing work, and she hates it. And she's terrified, and she's like, it's it's the worst thing ever that he's getting better. And you can see like the the relationship and the couple is kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't, um, unless she's willing to take that risk to find something new. Um, um, I want to ask you, Jason, we talk about this ladder. We've been talking about it the whole time, talking about taking steps up the ladder. Um, what, like, what are those things? Like, w- when we talk about progressing in recovery, maybe having certain things in your life, it, you know, for the for the betrayed, for the betrayer, what does that look like to just take those few first steps up? Yep. I think it's I think it's being honest about where we're at identifying what we need to do. And a lot of times what we need to do is we need to develop some base level of trust and security and stability. And, and so we can do that. You know, there's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the trust triangle because therapists only think in shapes, of course. And so yes. um, everything you, has you, a triangle. Know, everything's a triangle or a circle. Uh, but, you know, the trust triangle is, you know, we, we witness what's happening. Therefore, we trust it. We verify. And then it's experiential. And so even just starting with, well, what can I witness and verify that the other person's doing so I can have some amount of trust? I'm probably not going to trust them the way that I did. I ought not to do that. That's not safe. But how can I develop some form of trust to build on? Those are, and that's, that's kind of, we're talking, those are early rungs on the ladder, even after maybe just the whole triage work of the trauma itself. Now I'm looking with eyes outwardly going, is this a place where I might consider starting to step into again? After those kinds of steps start to happen, Jason, what do you see couples who are successful doing with those kind of maybe middle rungs of the ladder or even the higher rungs as they're climbing out of the hole? They start to build a new life. So they 
what they really do is they they lean into developing intimacy in the relationship. And intimacy, everyone thinks about a little differently, you know, but there's really six different types of intimacy or depending on who you ask, they might say a different amount, but they're, you know, physical, spiritual, creative, experiential, intellectual, and emotional would be the six that I think of. And so the couples that are really successful develop that in their relationship so that their relationship has all this connection point that it had previously lost. And so what that often means is having a new relationship where we're actually intentional about stuff. Because up until that point, uh, when you trust somebody and you haven't been betrayed, there's a lot of grease on that wheel. You can let a lot of stuff go, right? It's like, well, he's not a good communicator and she might not do this. And But we let all that go provided we think we can trust the other person. And so once you know, the the bomb drops and we have betrayal, then we need to get intentional because that same grace is not there anymore, right? Now, now we need to be intentional about how that works in our relationship. I love um, that. And I, and so what I'm hearing you say is, is that eventually, and this is something I want our listeners to hear, and I'm putting words in your mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, is eventually life becomes more than just the hell we've been through. Life becomes all these other elements of what you would call intimacy where there is shared experience where there is emotional connection other than just this thing where there's this physical connection like all of that needs to be intentionally sought out and pursued after things have been burnt to the ground in order to actually have the kinds of relationships that every single one of us wants and deserves absolutely um i i talk to people it's like uh when someone you know we love or care a lot about uh, passes away, we we go to the cemetery and we go to the cemetery. And, and when it first happens, we go there uh, and we go to the funeral. We might go to the prayer service and we might go visit. We do all of that a lot, right? A lot of our life ends up living in that space for whatever, weeks, months, however that goes. But the goal is never to live there. The goal is, is again, never, I don't want to live in the cemetery. I want to, I want to have a life outside of that. And so as we do that, Um, We never swear off that the cemetery happened or that that person passed away, but that's just a place we don't visit as often. Mm -hmm. And so with couples, I'm always trying to get them to say like, yeah, the cemetery is there. It's it's on this street. We know where to find it. We know what happened there, uh, but we're not trying to go visit that every day if we don't have to. Because could you imagine trying to live in the cemetery? Yeah, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah. And and by the way, everything there is dead. And so nothing's ever going to change. Yep. Oh. Um, and I love a therapist with a lot of analogies like this. Uh, you know, Jason, we got to wrap up and and I, I feel a bit, little bit gypped with the amount of time that we've had with you um, to find to find a rock star like you who gets recovery and actually jumps in the in the weeds with couples and does that work. Um, that's courageous. And um, I hope that we'll be able to talk more, have you on more different topics and, and things. So could you share with us, you, you got your book coming out. How do people find you? How do they connect with you? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And by the way, this is a fantastic conversation. So you, anytime you ask, I'm available. Um, awesome. So this is good. Yeah, I wrote a book. It's called Get Past Your Past. And and really, it has a lot to do with what we're talking about. It's not specific to betrayal or betrayal trauma. But what it really is about is that we all have a thing that gets in the way of our happiness. Mm -hmm. And so how do we change our relationship with that to get better connection? And so that's really the gist of the book is trying to help people where they're at to unburden themselves with whatever it is that's holding them back. Um, 
aside from that, so you can find that it's a, it's an audio book. It's a book. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. And then if you are interested in just daily tips about relationships and things like that, um, I'm on Instagram, jason.vanruler. And I post probably once or twice a day about just kind of practical ways to actually do this. Um, I know for me, I kind of came out of my my early years going, I have no idea what a healthy relationship looks like. Uh, and I wish there was some easy way to access that. And so I'm just kind of committed to, I'm going to put out a lot of free content so that if people want to get better and want to learn, I'm going to give them a way to do it. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to read your book. Check it out. So Tyler. Yeah, I was just going to say thank you to you, Jason. We we were telling you before we even came on the show that we are very hesitant to have people come on our show as other experts because we've done that in the past and not been real pleased, but Hmm. you fit the bill, man. We're really grateful for what you've brought today. And for those of you guys listening, you obviously check out Jason's stuff, but also we'd love to hear your feedback on what you liked about this episode or, or even some of the things that maybe are churning inside of you that you're wrestling with right now as a result of what was said today. We'd love to hear that too. So thanks to our listeners for being here. Jason, thank you for being here with us. We'll Appreciate see you guys. it, guys. It was great. Yeah.